Hi, and welcome to Fitness Unfiltered, episode 53. We're into our second year already, and we're very fortunate to be joined by a fantastic guest today. But before I introduce them, how are you guys? I'm fine, but I'm not really sure that I like when you say hi instead of hello at the beginning of the podcast. (laughs) Why is that? I don't know. I feel like it's hello and welcome. But you said hi and welcome. That's off brand. Yeah, but it's the second year. Maybe this is the new thing. Hi. Yeah, maybe you, maybe actually your your I'm fine is getting a bit old. Maybe we should change that, hey? Oh. oh. I knew that there would be a mutiny among the ranks of Fitness Unfiltered at some point. Backlash. I didn't think it would be you, though, Dan. Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> no, I, I think we should stick with I'm fine. Everyone knows yeah. where, where they sit with that. And um, apart from not liking my intro, all good else, elsewhere? I am fine. Okay, excellent. Emma? I am also fine. Apart from your back. But... Apart from I can barely walk. But you know what? Fine. It's fine. But how are you, Dan? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm actually fine. No, I'm Tom's fine. taking a selfie. Oh. Oh, damn oh, it. Goodness. Sorry, guys. Emma, oh, no. And right, people start again. read it on the intro. That, oh, Let's gosh. just start again. Um we're there, ruined. aren't we? We are very ruined. fortunate. Tom who, though? Yeah, okay. We are very Tom fortunate Cruise. to be joined by <laughs> Tom Blackman to discuss... Well, we're going to go on many tangents. We've already agreed that that's going to happen. But easy fat loss wins. Dealing with the industry in general stereotyping. Mr. Tom Blackman, how are you? Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to myself. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like my intro? Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> See you later. It does sound like that, though. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Okay, cool. Anyway, I'm excited. So, also, for some reason, I feel the need to ask you: Do you have any nicknames? Me? Yeah. Uh, what that my ex-girlfriends have called me, or people <laughs> of my customers, or gym, gym members. Um, they're all okay. unrepeatable, I think, on I the, on the say, podcast. What are the rumors? Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to be called Tiny Tom on UK Muscle. That was my um, my handle, um, and it sort of stuck with me because I was small. Um, that, that's about it, really. It's not very inventive. When were you small? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm what? Sh- short. I'm I'm, <laughs> okay. a, I'm, a, I'm a dwarf. Five foot five foot right. four. I am. Are you? Yeah. And Paul, who you've had on before, is five foot four and a half, and he always pushes that he's taller than me. <laughs> Wait, you don't really carry yourself as a five foot four person. Do you know what? We haven't been fortunate enough to have Paul on, but we will get him on at some yeah, point. Yeah, I'd definitely. love to have Paul on. Um, Not yet. No, but I, I think it's quite interesting there because I, I mentioned to you when we was messaging Tom that I want to talk about stereotypes and I mentioned about bodybuilding. And he was like, yeah, but I'm, I'm small now. And I was like, yeah, all right, mate. Has anyone seen pictures of Tom? If you haven't, check him out after this. But for the sake of the listener, those that may not have heard of you, Tom, tell us about yourself. So I used to be a bodybuilder um, and a competitive bodybuilder um, and I now run a gym in Bristol called Ministry of Fitness which is... Excellent gym. Thank you. Yeah, Mike's already trained there and... Uh... Has anyone else on this podcast been to Ministry of Fitness yet? I've never been to Bristol yet. Oh. Me neither. Oh. Ministry of Fitness is amazing. It's one of my, my favourite gyms. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. Um, so I've run of all the gyms I go to. Jim, Mike's been to about <laughs> of all five the gyms, gyms I go to. Yeah, <laughs> definitely in my top five. 
<laughs> Number five, thanks. <laughs> um, I so so I, I run ministry, but um, uh, and I've done that for nearly ten years now, and I've also ad hoc done sort of nutrition stuff when I was bodybuilding, um, but I actually went into doing it, I suppose, <laughs> full time, half time with the gym about three years ago, and I did the ISSN qualification to become qualified as so I could actually talk about nutrition. Not that that's really a requirement to be a nutritionist nowadays. Anyone can can be a nutritionist, I suppose, with a two year, two month like training course or, or something. Um, Thirty nine pounds off Groupon, I believe. Yeah, and you can be a life coach for twenty nine pounds. <laughs> I don't package. think you even need a course for being a life coach. I think all you, you need, need to do is in, just Instagram put it in your, handle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I've been doing that for the last um, three years and. Um, built up BKM Nutrition, which is my nutrition company. Um, I used to work with bodybuilders, but I don't anymore. I, I generally work with, I suppose, mainstream people, if you can call it that. Um, I sort of developed a specialism for working with people who have over 20 kilos of fat to lose. Um, and ironically, I actually spend little of my time talking about, as in nutrition and writing diets for people, and more about lifestyle, <laughs> life coaching stuff. <laughs> <laughs> head on the mic um, but yeah but lifestyle and sort of habit coaching that's my my main area of conversation now is is developing good habits and and um and good lifestyle things to so you can actually lose weight properly rather than just having like a i know everyone talks about a calorie deficit but mm. it's more than that but that's what it is isn't yeah. it that's the, the fundamental aspect of lifestyle change fat loss and all of those things are changing your habits and, and actually changing the circumstances around which you what you do day to day mm. it's like it's almost like you're then focusing on the process that will ultimately lead to fat loss rather than going you just got to lose fat and it's the same with thinking about targets as well like when you think about scale weight and all of those things if you if you take the focus on those things and, and focus on the processes instead i think often the results are more rewarding and probably more apparent as well yeah, because I mean, that, that's actually the first question I had for you, Tom. That's what I was going to jump in and ask you, because I, I don't know, it's almost similar to a lot of what Emma and I do as well. But your approach is very much around the behavioural stuff, the habitual elements of long term change. It's not the short fix. I know you do run some short short term fat loss programmes, but how do you make this easy, yet often overcomplicated, easily translatable and easy to implement uh, for, for your clients? So, um so I've recently actually built my own sort of model, which I've managed to call the calorie system, which is a nice little acronym. Um, and it follows like a seven step process. So you have like calculate your calories, allocate them to meal blocks. So you break them down into meals in the day, list the foods that you like. Cause that's really important. Organize those foods into meals. So you get four or five meals a day that you like eating. Um, so that's the calories in, calories outside of things, or calories inside of things. Then you have routine and habit, which is incredibly important. Increasing activity, which again is incredibly important. And at the end, you have um, your environment and evaluating. So it is calories in, calories out. But a lot of people don't get that you have to have the routine and habit. Once you've got the the O side of things, so organizing your meal plan, which is where most <clears throat> nutritionists stop. They go, oh, there's a diet. Then they stop with the right you have to have now routines to be able to maintain that diet and that is where actually with the majority of my work is is to give people simple habits to um to achieve that mm. i don't know yeah, if that answers so. the question though 
Yeah, no, that is that was yeah, brilliant acronym. And you know, in terms of an example for our listeners, you know, an easy habit fix for them because that that we, we spoke about that on a previous episode because that's been one of our most popular episodes is when you talk about easily impl- implemented habits um, that people can take away and do straight away. Right. So okay. So what the the main thing I do when I work with clients is we assess their um, their their uh, habits they do at the moment because everybody has certain routines they go through and and you can identify this there'll be something that you know you do every day which leads to a bad habit so say if um uh, i had one client who when she got home from work would always walk into the kitchen to get a meal from the the, the fridge as soon as they got home now that was a bad habit they wanted to uh, change but what we did was move back from right where's the trigger for that habit and when and if you look at things that you do during the day, you'll have a routine. And if you can identify the start of the bad habit, which for her was coming home, putting her bag down in a certain place, then she would move on to the next thing and the next thing and the mm. next thing and then end up at the, at the fridge. So one of the best things you can do is look at all the things that you don't want to do in the day. So I wish I didn't snack from the fridge all the time or I wish I didn't you know order a takeaway when i was hungry i wish i didn't do this that's the end result but if you work back from that you can find the trigger event and the trigger Mm. event is it might take a little while but if you can change that trigger event or change your path on the trigger event that's a really simple thing you can do without even Mm. doing nutrition or diet or anything like that you change where your path goes from that trigger event then you can arrive at a different destination and you can do that quite quickly yeah so reverse engineering the process and i suppose this is going to seem like an odd question almost but what prompted you to go from you know your bodybuilding routine which you know i mean this in the politest sense but you'll you'll understand what i mean when i speak of bodybuilders almost this robotic process in which a lot of bodybuilders go through to actually the the clientele you now work with and working out it needed to be dissected further because there's still a lot of bodybuilders still championing the same approaches that they've always done that have got them in shape you know we all know there's many different ways to skin a cat but what prompted to you to go to more to more without sounding too cliche evidence-based approach and wanting to learn more about it and not just using the methods that have got you in shape over previous years yeah so when so when i actually stopped bodybuilding i i, I didn't know it but i actually had a, an eating disorder and um which might be a surprise to people listening to it, but obviously, Dan, you've done, I think you've competed mm. before. Uh, oh, I think disordered you've, eating, definitely. You've, obviously, everyone's done diet, so they understand the mm. routine and stuff like that. But because I was dieting for so long and always focusing on my shows and focusing on the next show, um, when I stopped competing in 2005, so I, I literally got off stage um, at the British and I got asked if I wanted to go to the Worlds to compete. And I said, no, because I've completely decided I'm not going to compete anymore at all. And I walked out of the, the, the theatre. I was like, well, what do I do now? Because I've got a no next show to aim for. And actually what happened was I, I, I got into a cycle where I, I couldn't eat properly, as in I couldn't eat foods that were off the menu because I'm, I sort of think, oh, that's going to detriment me. That's going to take me away from where I want to be as a bodybuilder. But I was still, I, but I was not a bodybuilder competing anymore. So I had to reassess my the way I approached everything, and even even when I did a, a diet a couple, I think it was the beginning of this year. Even with all my nutritional knowledge about, well, now I know that you can eat certain foods within calories and making making sure that you're full rather than um, eating all the bro foods and all, all the things that people generally tend to do, like chicken and rice, chicken and broccoli, and not 
and not even thinking about the calories, just thinking about maybe eating clean. I was still in that thing where when I started my diet in January, I still decided even a week in, I thought, well, I need to go chicken and rice now because I had that that thing in my head Mm. um, and I still hadn't coaxed it out myself, even though I've been trying to do it for four years. Um, And I've seen that with, and that's me with a nutritionist background. Mm. And I've seen this with my clients who come in and they and they have been given these diets by people who are, you know, ex bodybuilders or ex fitness people. And it literally is, you can only eat chicken and rice or chicken and broccoli, or you have to eat at 6pm and you have to eat at these sorts of times. And that is, I know now that that's ridiculous, but you know, sort of five, I think five years ago, 10 years ago, um, mm. I, I didn't, I didn't think that at all. Yeah. It's knowing it and doing it. And do you think that, do you think bodybuilding has kind of skewed people's expectation expectations when it comes to aesthetics but also like perceived best practice um whether that's a certain train type of training or it's a certain nutritional approach or you you know just whether they're gonna you know we're, we're exposed to these physiques do you think that bodybuilding has played a role in that yeah i think because the, most of the people you see on instagram and oh, I just realized I said 2005, it's 2015, four years ago I stopped competing. Um, but yeah, I, I think the people you see on Instagram, the, the majority of people who are the, the abs out, I train in the gym crowd, and the majority of them are following some restrictive, oppressive type diet to get them in that condition, at least for that mm. photo. Now, obviously off season, they're eating all the donuts and a lot of them put on the on their instagram that they're eating all the donuts but and i think that sends a lot of mixed messages and and a lot of guys who are who are coaching people and they're sort of bodybuilding physique type people they'll advocate the oh clean diet eating clean whatever cardio at 4 a.m and then the next picture they've got is them eating a tray of donuts on on a cheat day Mm. and that they're not promoting healthy eating habits I mean, obviously, it's up to them what they want to put on their Instagram. But if you're coaching someone in eating, so say, healthily and trying to eat a healthy diet to lose weight and look good, should you be posting that you're eating a tray of donuts yourself while advocating the next picture is throwback Thursday to when I was shredded? Yeah, mm. I, I think the problem there is less so bodybuilders doing that because I think people that or bodybuilders that are still doing that still lack a lot of understanding in the nutrition side of things. I think the problem more lies in that people assume or still view bodybuilding as a healthy thing to do. Like, and do you know what? Most bodybuilders now will put their hands up and say, it's not healthy. This is not a healthy pursuit, nor mm. would be following my diet a healthy thing for most people to do. But I do get that that can come across wrong, although I'm not sure that that would ever change. And maybe we need to focus on changing people's perceptions of you know what, what a bodybuilder is putting out on social media rather than expecting them to change because a lot of them like i remember trying to have conversations with certain people years ago about like flexible dieting or calories or macronutrient content of food and things like that they don't even well even they want to stay naive or they don't want to understand it or they for some reason can't understand what is quite a simple concept but yeah. they'll stick to what they're doing. And I think sometimes, like, actually, I was just thinking, as you were saying, <clears throat> when you went back to dieting, you kind of went back to these, like, quote-unquote clean foods, and you were avoiding proce- or any other foods that weren't, like, clean or chicken and broccoli and things like that. I've not particularly dieted for a while, but when I do, I'll, I'll always go low-carb. And initially, that was because 
I was like, well, carbs make you fat, obviously. But now mm. I think it's just because I find it a really easy way to manage calories. And I hate tracking calories. And I think I'm one of like few in the fitness industries now probably that aren't into tracking calories. Like personally, almost all of my clients do or have done for a period of time. But I find it's a lot easier or more preferable to me to cut out carbohydrates. And I find that less restrictive than counting my calories. And that's just preference. And I guess what I was kind of thinking when you were talking about how you went back to eating chicken and broccoli and rice that actually it kind of takes although you understand now calorie balance it takes all that thought process out which when you're dieting you don't really want anyway like I can see the benefits especially if you're prepping for a show of sticking to a meal plan because you would go and I've spoken to a friend about this who's prepped for shows and she's done it two ways she's done it on a meal plan which you'd think oh that's really bro and she's done it flexible dieting and she said it was so much easier on a meal plan. Not because she didn't understand that she could swap in and out foods, but because by the time you get that lean or if you're looking to go on show, you don't really want to think about what you're eating. You just want to stick to a plan without having to make those decisions. And we were speaking about decision fatigue. So, oh, you know what? I could have a donut and then have this, but then I'd have to have less for dinner. And you every single time you're making every single time you have a meal you're making that choice of i'm going to eat this because i think it's going to fuel me better or i'm going to eat this because i want a bit of a treat or i'm going to stop myself eating this this whereas if you have a meal plan and you commit to that meal plan the, there isn't decision fatigue because you've made that decision once do you know what i think another aspect of that is i think there's a certain amount of like we like to feel that we're suffering in order to achieve something greater than what other people can achieve or or to, to achieve the, the yeah exactly and I, i've sort of been in that situation where i've i've been on uh, as you know i've tried pretty much every single diet going and when i did i remember doing a 12-week plan which was a chicken broccoli and rice diet and i remember my coach saying to me look if you get bored of chicken broccoli and rice you can have these alternatives and i was like i don't want alternatives thanks because that's, I don't want to think about it. I just want to do this. I just want to be, I was, it was a really stressful time of my life as well. And in a way I kind of managed, I got the stress out by just focusing totally on this ridiculous diet that I was on. It wasn't ridiculous, but what I mean is it was quite restrictive in a way. It was actually a really healthy diet and it was quite varied, but it wasn't the type of way that I would have naturally eaten. So it was, it was a big change for me, but having that focus and having that, um, having that idea that I was, you know, I was doing something that's so difficult to do, but I I can do this, like actually has an impact on you psychologically as well. And I think if you're, if you're somebody who's trying to, you know, you're trying to, if you're competing in a physique competition, you're trying to be in the top, you know, few percent of bodies in the country. You're trying, you're not, it's an extreme sport, essentially. It's not, you know, you're not just trying to be okay at something you're trying to win at it well the perfect example of that is someone who's competing and yet like as tom's saying like goes and has a cheat meal on the weekend and then absolutely kills himself during the week and even though i think a lot of them don't understand this but they could have a much like less restrictive diet during the week and then not binge on the weekend and get better if not you know the same if not better results without it being as hard but there is an aspect of oh yeah I want it to be really really hard like I would rather Mm. do an hour of cardio every morning 
than not have a Domino's on the weekend. Mm. Because that's what it takes. You wouldn't understand. To be a champion. You've never been on You just don't want it. Yeah, you just don't want it bad. So on, so on that, what I, what I would say is that if, if you are competing for a show, because um, obviously I've done shows and I've done diets for photo, shot, photo shoots which didn't involve a show. So if you're competing for a show, I think the mindset has to be there's a certain amount of hardship and a certain amount of restriction. And what Emma's saying is, is, is right about following a plan, as in a laid out plan, is, is one of the best things you can do there. Because when you're restricting your calories in terms of food, the last thing you want to be doing is burning calories in your brain, thinking about how you're going to swap stuff out. Yeah. Uh, because, you're, you know, we're running on almost ketones anyway at the end point of a, a, a diet. But then that's a show, that's an extreme level of conditioning that you want to get to, which is a 1% of the population. The majority of people looking to lose weight, that a rigid diet plan, which is, which is hard, as in gives you hardship, is probably not going to be the, the best option in terms of a long term because there is yeah. no flexibility and it doesn't teach them how to adjust the plan themselves. Now, with the difference I had when I'd done the photo, sh- the photo shoot diet in, in January was that I, I, I just, what I, what I looked at my diet and I said, right, I need this many calories to lose weight. And I made up the meals. I, had, like, I ate like chicken curries and uh, chili, chili and rice, eggs and bagels in the morning, and then like a whole tub of Halo Top in the evening. And I factored all that in, God, and that was that my plan. That expensive. Oh, it's <laughs> awesome. I, I don't care about the expense, it was, it was worth it. <laughs> And Tesco's at Bummy had like um, two for four quid for about two weeks, so I, I was flying. Um, so, so I factored in a whole tub of Halo Top ice cream in the evening as a, as a treat. I still hit my uh, macros for the day. I think I actually put up a tile, which was like one side was ch- a chicken and rice and oats and egg whites in the morning diet. And then on the other side was my current diet, and they were exactly the same macros. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, Halo Top's not quality protein, but... It was pretty much exact on the, the, the macros and I felt better on the second diet, although the calories were the same and I was still able to train, although not to the, you know, the level I would as a fully fueled, but mentally I was a lot better. Okay, I agree with you wholeheartedly with most of this, but in my experience, that is a lot harder for a female to do because if you start adding in a whole tub of t- Halo Top and stuff, you are really limiting the amount of good nutritious foods that that. you can get (laughs) well things like you know yeah it takes up a lot of calories but then you can't have as much like fruit and veg in your diet or protein in your diet or i know it's high protein ice cream but my point is flexible dieting works in my opinion better when you have more calories to play with yeah or if you're like tom and you've got a bmr of three thousand calories yeah well i was just thinking that like (laughs) Sorry, what? How many calories were you dieting on, Tom? Uh, uh, so I, so my, um, I worked out my RMR as, or actually my EER was um, uh, three thousand two hundred, give or take. That was I couldn't factor in my training. So and I ate two thousand five hundred a day. So wow. I made sure. Yeah, oh, it must have been so hard for you to fit that halo top in. God. <laughs> Don't worry, it, it got in, no problem struggle. at all. Yeah. But but I on actually... that. On that, Sorry. working with working with females, and I get 100% what you're saying because I've worked with females who need to top out at 1,300 calories a day, and, and I can't even imagine eating that, you know, for half a day. That would be incredibly hard. So what we've what we've done instead is factored in. Okay, we can have some Halo Top, but let's have it with a fruit salad, 
so we mm. can and some melon and stuff like that so you can still get the experience of ice cream as a couple of scoops which is negligible calories and get a fruit salad which is more filling so there are ways around it but i appreciate what you're saying it's it's you know women have a much tougher time in terms of dieting because they just can't get away with the amount of calories yeah. that, that a guy well, can well those government guidelines i think you know 2000 calories a day i think we'll all agree most dieting women are way below that there's very few women i know that can actually get away with 2000 calories a day to be quite honest that would be above my maintenance for sure yeah and the leaner you get the less you have to eat which is so so uh, so hard yeah it gets harder and harder and you know from your bodybuilding background tom have you especially with you working with a different client base now have you do you find sometimes some in the politest sense stereotypical views that that your your approach will likely be extreme because of your extreme bodybuilding background um not um not so much now the when i first transitioned um a lot of people uh, were were coming to me still asking for like prep diets and stuff like that and and i wasn't interested in doing prep diets but i, I did still have a few old clients i carried over and when we did do the prep i incorporated more flexible uh, okay i don't like the term flexible dieting but you know that that sort of aspect of it in um and they were quite surprised oh that's an interesting thing why because flexible dieting um is i I, it's like in it's like uh intuitive eating it's something which is um although the term is a good term it's it's one of those things that's been used by people to maybe justify the fact that they um don't want to diet and um and don't want to uh, maybe commit to anything so yeah i get what you're saying it's like dieting flexibly is a good thing or eating intuitively is a good thing but not necessarily following all intuitive eating guidelines blah yeah, blah, blah. It, yeah. it, it's like if it fits your macros and people are weighing out shoelaces on a, a you know like <laughs> shoelaces to, yeah not so, actual shoelaces yeah, yeah exactly yeah not actual shoelaces that's a proper diet um uh, so yeah so i think with the um when i first transitioned people were still expecting some sort of bro diet but now with a lot of the videos i post and a lot of the videos i post are quite abstract in terms of i did one about eating a banana the other day and something about um don't make eye contact yeah <laughs> sorry i was told not to be dirty on this podcast and look at, you just ruined it so sorry, um yeah. so yeah i do a lot of videos now which are um, more about habit coaching and more about eating differently and doing your diet differently. So I think people now are under the impression that I'm not a bro guy. But people who see me and don't know me, so if I've got a t-shirt on with, with the guns out, whatever, people still tend to think I'm a bit of a dumb bodybuilder, which is quite funny. So what in, what encouraged that then, the, the change from bro? Because bro was working, right? What, what made you want to seek more? Uh, what, in terms of my own or for clients? In terms of like gaining, because you know, you, you are, I mean, you, I think you've been pretty humble with what you mentioned already, but you've invested a lot in terms of CPD um, and you've gone out of your way to educate yourself a lot more. When again, as I mentioned earlier, like there's a lot of coaches out there just still ramming the same approaches down people's throats. Yeah, are you... <laughs> there it is what? again. <laughs> what? Uh, so... I don't know what you mean. <laughs> So for me, I get your I, mind out of the gutters. Come on. <laughs> for me, I um I used to be um a little obviously less educated, and some of the diets I gave people ten years ago, I, I look at now and think, God, that's you know I can't believe people sort of paid for that. 
they still got results, but it wasn't what I would consider now the best. Um, and I, and, and we all see people online giving out this advice, and you know, all, all, all four of us are quite educated in nutrition. And there's the, you see stuff and you think, oh, don't say that. You're a muppet for saying that. You know, don't tell people to do fasted cardio because it's better. That all, all these things, you know, don't eat, don't eat after six p.m. That sort of thing. We all know that's wrong, but they probably don't because they've not taken time to educate themselves or not bothered mm-hmm. to educate themselves. And I don't really want to be one of those guys who says stuff which is not true because I haven't researched it. So I I only say stuff now that I looked into and I know to be at the time of reading correct in what for want of a better word. Mm. Yeah, because um, what I really like about yourself, if I can veer off slightly onto your content, because you mentioned your content there, um, it's not not in, I know it's not an intentional thing, but I know M, you wanted to expand on this as well. But sometimes unintentionally controversial in that it it challenges peers probably, which I think is a really good thing, encourages debate. But I think when certain topics are on trend and there's certain influential people that have written a post or they're, they're preaching a certain message, there's a there's a certain community base that jump on that without really any thought. And I've seen a lot of times you've put something out totally contradictory and just, just to challenge that approach. Because it was, M, you wanted to mention the, the Yeah, hypocrisy. oh God, I can't. What, do you remember I can what remember post it. it was? It was it the was hypocrisy the, post. Yeah. The, um, it was the um, you like eating like an effing arsehole. I haven't sworn yeah. for Mike. Okay, yeah. So I did listen to the podcast actually, where um, we heard, and and obviously, um, when you put that post up, I was reading. I thought, does she think I'm serious? And then, <laughs> and, I, and then I read it back a few times afterwards, and obviously I messaged you to say, you know, I. Um, so yeah, we straightened that one out. But sometimes things can go a little bit awry on social media, can't they? If you read it wrong. Yeah, well, I think because it's so hard to come across as sarcastic in a comment. <laughs> yeah, I try my best, but yeah, and, and, and I know, it's, I know it's yours. Emma's yeah, so, trolling <laughs> reputation procedure. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> so the, the post was is that a, a little while ago there was a um, uh, there was a there's a meme that went around, and I think it was started by um, Jordan Syatt or someone like that. It was really big, and it was a list of. Uh, why you're not losing weight so it was like keto glutens blah blah but all, all the sort of the myths you know and they were all crossed out which was good and then um at the at the top it was said you're eating like a fucking arsehole and that and that was ticked and mm. and and then everyone was like yeah that's so funny you know these people don't they understand that they're just eating like arseholes and that okay if your business is not nutrition and coaching people in nutrition then i can understand liking that and you know whatever and sharing it but if your business is helping people lose weight and you share a a, a, a a meme that says, yeah, do you know the reason you're fat, mate, is because you're eating like a fucking arsehole. And I, and, and I thought that was wrong for people to share that. But anyway, I just sort of let it go because it's not really my thing to comment on that. But then this year there was a, uh, I can't remember, it was like um, fat shaming, I think. you um, mm. Someone was on ITV saying we should shame people for eating too much because that's the reason they're overweight they're fat because they're eating too much and okay at a basic level that is correct they've eaten too much and they haven't moved enough so they're fat or overweight but all these people going no the same people who would like that meme were going oh no you can't fat how 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 terrible how terrible and because a few people in the nutrition industry who are high up have stood up and go this is bullying how can we how can we 
do this bullying thing is horrible don't ever bully people and then they're the same ones who shared that meme calling people who are eating too much fucking assholes so on one hand you've got mate you're fat because you've eaten too much because you're a fucking asshole. and on the other side you've got don't tell people they've eaten too much that's wrong and we shouldn't shame them they're the same thing essentially <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what resonated with me so much in an issue I've had with people who just maybe say stuff about things like Slimming World, like basically insinuating you're stupid for doing Slimming World, it's just a calorie deficit, sin-free foods don't count, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, actually, these people are trying and to make them feel stupid for trying is not helpful. And then on the flip side, you'll get the same people being like, I'm really empathetic to my clients, you know, like this is what we... And you're like, no, you don't. And you're sharing stuff being like, if you do something well, you're an idiot. Like, no, that is actually for, in fact, a lot of my clients started on something well. And then it's a bit of a process where they're like, okay, well, actually, this doesn't all add up. Maybe I'll get a bit more involved in this. But for a lot of people, it's like, I don't go to the gym. I don't look at my diet or anything like that. But maybe I'll join Weight Watchers. And that kind of opens the door into the fitness world for them. Then they get more and more educated and they end up finding a better balanced diet for themselves. But it's often a start place. Do you know what I liken this a little bit to? I often think that people, it's like when you are, if you're really into, let's say, computers and like a mate of yours wants to just get a laptop um, and you're like, no, 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 you've got to get this one because it's got all of these like features and it's got this and the Wi-Fi is faster and the Bluetooth is more efficient and whatever. And the other person's like, I, you're like, they just want to get a laptop like all of these things that you're banging on about don't actually matter to them they matter to you because you've been through all of these stages of laptop experience and you've learned different things about different bits and now you're at a stage where you want to have like the best laptop i don't know why i chose laptops it's really annoying but um <laughs> just go with it mike but but then like like and then but when someone you care about wants to do the same sort of stuff that you have you almost like you almost jump on them because you feel like, oh, but they could learn from all of the mistakes that I've made and I now have found this thing that's a lot better. But you're, you're just as bad as the people who are trying to put people on Herbalife when you when you become so militantly pushing one sort of method with people. Like you have to, you kind of have to... I mean, like, it's not quite as bad as Herbalife. No, no, okay. What, trying to push <laughs> like Nothing's as bad as a Herbalife. balanced approach to dieting but what I mean is the same as pushing Herbalife. No, no, but them. what I mean is like, it's very easy for us to to have figured if you spent a lot of time on something and you've learned a lot about something and you feel that you've become a bit of an expert or quite well versed in it because of you've had so much experience it's very easy to dismiss that there are more than one way of doing it and that actually that your method might not be the best method for other people as well and that's the thing that i think we always risk getting wrong quite frequently mm-hmm. um yeah well i don't know if i fully agree with that because i do think that there are better methods than I mean, I was world, using I just... that example to agree with you, Emma, so you can't then now disagree with me. I'm saying that no, like... I just think, I think we were talking about different do things. You not, do you not know Emma? <laughs> yeah, no, I will not. disagree with everything. <laughs> I disagree with myself. With, with the, yeah, um... sometimes I do, right? <laughs> with, with the thing about the, the slimming world, and I, I, I 100% agree with that, Emma, because everyone's got to start somewhere, and... You, so that's a, another analogy would be I own a gym so if I see someone coming into the gym and they go oh do you know it's my first time at the gym and I go mate you want a split program with five dies five and then and then you want to take some protein and creatine and, and do some cardio afterwards they'd be like 
well, fuck this, I'm going home. And, and they would not want to do it. Uh, yeah. Someone's yeah. got to start somewhere. And if someone's doing Slim and World, they've got the desire for change. They, they want to change. They want to do something about it. Okay, it's not the best way to do it, but it's a start. They can start learning healthy eating habits. They can start... And once they've done those things, they've got into organising their food a little bit, then you can come along and say, do you know what? Okay, Simon Will was working, now it's not working. Here's the reason why. Because it doesn't talk about calorie deficit. It doesn't talk about portioning your foods. It doesn't talk about your routine and habit. It tells you not to go to the gym because you'll gain weight, which is retarded. But all these things, it tells you not to do or doesn't teach you how to do. But it's given you the habit of maybe making your desire for change start to work. Now, if you come along, we can teach you all the higher stuff. You've, you've learned how to make your own meals. You've learned how to maybe do some little things to help with the diet. Now, I can teach you the higher stuff, and I can teach you about calories, and I can teach you about routine and all these things. But then people don't like doing that because people like swearing and calling people gimps on social media and, and you know using the F word a lot on social media. And um, oh, By the way, the gimp thing, I, I, Martin McDonald uses it a lot, a lot I know. And this isn't a dig at Martin because he's my friend, but there's a lot of people who use GIMP because they're trying to be Martin McDonald, and that is mm. ridiculous, the fact that they're just copying someone. Martin knows so much about nutrition, and he's such a decent guy in the nutrition world, and, there, and there's a lot of people sort of piggybacking onto that. And, and oh, look, that guy doesn't know about nutrition. He's a GIMP, but that's all they'll say. And then you'll see them yeah. posting other retarded stuff, which is you know not true or not, not, uh, not a, a right thing to say. Martin knows or what even he's they saying. are posting like things that are the right thing to say, but you, they can't back it up. I'm like, you could say that you know that there's no, you don't understand why someone that is doing keto is a ketard or whatever. Like you can't explain why it's not a good thing to do. So don't be calling people names. Yeah, exactly. Mm. If Get you it can't... back in your glass house. <laughs> <laughs> back in there, I say. Yeah, if you can't back it up with all the research and all the things to say why that person is wrong, you shouldn't be saying that sort of stuff. And you shouldn't... And, and you know, and the other thing I see is people going on about, oh, this thing's bad, that thing's bad, you know, all these Joe Wicks, blah, blah, all their, all their things are bad. But why are you slating them? Why aren't you going on about how good your product is? Because people who slate other people's products all the time and they're selling the same thing, weight loss products... Why don't you just go on about how good your stuff is? Because if your it's stuff's really content good... as well, isn't it? Just seeing others trying to tear each other down. It's just so boring to watch. Yeah. I don't see much of it now, I have to say. Yeah. My time. But what you'll find is a lot of the those people who are posting that sort of stuff will get likes from other people in the fitness industry, but not really so much likes or, or engagement from people who actually need the help. It's sort of oh, like 100%. a backslapping you're, exercise. You're making that content to... You know, for, so other fitness industry people can find it funny, not for your clients. It's not helpful mm. content for your clients. Although I think we should start a trend of when anyone does something like that, just writing in capitals, boring. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> boring, yeah. I, I saw someone amazing. on um, social media had posted a waffle after a few people's posts on, on Facebook. It was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. I'm, co- I'm conscious of time, Tom. I've got four so minutes we, left before I've got to get on the counter. Four minutes left. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really, if we can give the listeners two, um, I mean, you gave us one in terms of the reverse engineering habits, uh, perhaps something that you work on behaviorally, portion control wise, two tips. Okay, so 
um, so, some of the easiest things you can do with in, in terms of regards to portion control is a, there's a, te- a technique I teach called break cues. Now, what break cues is, and it's in the it's in the book called Mindless Eating. If you want to read about that, um, what it, what it is is basically installing a a cue, a mental cue for yourself to sort of wake up out of your eating habits. Now, if you're eating, say, like popcorn in the cinema, or like um, for me, it's Pringles. If you eat Pringles out of the jar, or whatever, you don't. And you don't... pop. Oh, oh, yeah. Honestly, I'm I'm a, I'm a nightmare <laughs> for it. Salt and vinegar. So, um, if you're if you're mindlessly eating the, the snack in the food in front of the TV, you don't register how much you've eaten. And this is where most people fall down on snacking. They sit in front of the TV, eating popcorn, crisps, chocolate, Haribo's, whatever, until the packet's empty. And then it's like, oh, I've eaten all that. How do I eat all that? So break cues is where you take the packet and you pour a little bit into a little bowl. And then you leave that in the kitchen. You go in the living room and then um, sit down and eat. And when you finish the bowl, the small serving that you've... And you can measure it out if you want, if you want a calorie count. Once you finish the bowl, it's a conscious cue that you've got to get up and go and get some more but by that time the, the full sensations probably hit you or it's hitting you and you can think, you look at it and go i'm actually hungry or not i don't think i am anymore i've satisfied my craving for chocolate pringles haribos whatever so now the break cues happened it's told me to stop eating because there's none more left and you have to make a conscious decision to eat or not and most people all my clients will put the bowl down and they all use that to stop themselves snacking in front of the tv and there was, a, there was a couple of studies done. I know that the, the guy, I think Brian Wozniak, the guy who'd done the studies, fiddled his studies a little bit. But he did them with popcorn. He did it with actual Pringles as well, where he put a red Pringle in the middle of the tube and one a third up. And as soon as the people got to the red Pringle, they stopped a little while afterwards. So a either halfway or a third. Yeah, like, a, like in the it's tube. Like, I'm going to eat what? <laughs> I yeah. want a red Pringle. That sounds exciting. An actual red Pringle. Or red yeah, so the red food. Pringle was the signal to stop. Oh, and okay. when they got to the red Pringle, it was like Did halfway down. It? No, this is plastic. Come on, man. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you meant that like they made a special version of a Pringle. <laughs> yeah, it's like red hot chili, so it just like their mouth was on fire. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, they got to the red Pringle, and that was their cue to stop. So that was the break cue. Um, but it's that signal that that signal to stop, which is the um, uh, which is the main thing. And okay, number two, the next one is something called riding the wave. So riding the wave, you think about a wave building up like a surfer would be on when you see a food that you that you like like chocolate or um or anything like nibbles wise and people have these on their desks at work they have like nibble bowls and uh, one of my clients has something called the diabetic table which is like the table full of donuts and stuff like that when you see that when you get that signal you get this this dopamine hit oh well, i would like to hit i'd like to have that because that's a nice food i like you never see it with sprouts it's always like donuts or whatever so I want to have that thing. So you get like this hedonic hit of dopamine that you anticipate the reward from eating the, the food. So what riding the wave is, you're not actually hungry. You've just got this hedon- hedonic hunger and the wave builds up. But if you ride it like a surfer and then remove the food from your eyeline and say, go walk out the room or whatever, put it in the bowl, in, 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 the, in the drawer. If you ride it out for about 10 minutes, that'll actually dissipate and go. And that's what's called a riding the wave of hedonic eating. Where yeah, you, that's you, from addiction therapy as well, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's that initial dopamine <clears throat> hit that you get from anticipation of reward from a food. If you remove yourself from the situation and remove the food from your field of vision and concentrate on something else, it will go after about five to ten minutes. And that's the difference between being hedonically hungry or actual hunger. And that's something mm-hmm. I use with clients as well to recognise the signals of, I've just I wasn't hungry. Now I've seen that donut. I am hungry. You don't actually yeah. want a donut. You're not actually hungry. You just anticipated the niceness of eating a donut. So riding Boom. the way is a really good one you can do. 
check that out. Bang on the dot there. The only thing I'm very conscious we haven't spoken about is you are writing a book. Can before you have to vanish, yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about where our listeners can find you and a little bit about your book that will be available soon, please? Okay, so my Instagram handles at Tom Tom Blackman Nutrition, Tom Blackman underscore Nutrition, which is probably the best place to get me. Uh, I am on Facebook as well, but um, uh, Instagram's better. Um, the book is called Target Lean, and it's based on the um, the program I run for for weight loss. Um, and it's basically all the stuff I do with clients. It's all the habitual stuff, how to calculate your, your diet using the calorie method. There's three sections. The third section is how to calculate your diet. The first section is all the rubbish that gets told you how to lose weight. So everything in there from the bro diets, from recognizing people, how people con you with their diets, the how gluten isn't for weight loss, all those sorts of things. The idea is a book when you read the book you won't need another diet again because you'll be able to recognize the signals of this is a bro diet this isn't going to help me then it will teach you how to construct your own diet using the calorie method um i've had it proofreading so and it's come back i think i got one more section for people to proofread once that's done it's going to the printers and then it will be out i think february time because um it it needs a couple of months to get it all done um but yeah it'll be available in february um so if you follow me on instagram you can see um all the updates and what i'll do is be posting segments from it so people can have a read of it to sort of pre-read it oh, before cool. they buy if they want to we'll of course give it a plug on here when it's out as well tom so Definitely. thank you very much thank exciting you so much of course. Time, tom. yeah thanks tom no, thanks, so tom. i couldn't stay longer i've got to get on the That's counter right. now because my staff is that, whole, is that whole working thing gets in the way of everything yeah. i know it's rubbish isn't it yeah. thank you though thanks guys thanks see you later bye, bye. bye.